Wow, what, what an exciting morning to be a part of the body of Christ. You know, to be able to celebrate, you know, with, with Jamie and Grant and Brianna, their baptism is exciting for the body of Christ. To, to hear what God is doing in Kara's life is exciting. To see what God is doing in Kevin and, 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 and where he is going is exciting. And I was thinking this morning just of all of the, the things that, that God has been doing here. And I thought, you know, Chris and Lori uh, Stutzman and their family are back from, from their outreach in, in Japan and, and are going to be here for about a month and then they're heading back to Montana. That's exciting. You know, I see Ramona from Ethiopia, um, uh, Jason and Jelana's daughter, who they've been able to bring home in the last month. And, and what, isn't that exciting? Isn't that awesome? That as a body, we can celebrate those things. But what's even more exciting than all of that, it's what spurs all of this on and that is that we can celebrate the fact that heaven came down. That God sent his son here so that we could have life. And, and that's why we're here today. You know, that's why this little series that we're doing out of Philippians, that's what it's talking about. Talking about heaven coming down. Talking about why we celebrate Christmas. If you would recite with me these verses that you hopefully have memorized out of Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, it's just a few verses. How many of you have memorized it? Dan Fry, don't be humble. You go ahead. He was the first guy to sue. We've got a couple back there. You know, we need about 150, 250. We need 400 hands to come up because it's not that hard to memorize five or six verses. It's about hiding God's word in our heart. And so at the end of the service, you'll be able to go back there and to recite your verse. For all of you that, that don't recite it, we're going to give you a T-shirt that says, I didn't do it. No. So recite with me. If Philippians chapter 2, verse, beginning at verse 5, it says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You're getting better. But let's do all of it now. Let's recite. Let's memorize it. There's something really powerful that happens when we memorize Scripture. And so I just want to encourage you in that.
We're going to go back to Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 where this is sort of what this is all about. It says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, Paul says. And then Paul goes on to explain what Christ's attitude was like. And says, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Or that word grasp means something to hold on to. Or something to, to, to take ownership. He, he was willing to come. He didn't hold on to his position as God to keep him from, from coming here to, to earth for us. See, uh, this morning I, I want us to, to, to look at what it means, the why of his coming. The, and why his incarnation was so important. Incarnation just means God becoming man. Why it was important for God to become man and why it happened. Many years ago in England, there was a group of scholars that got together and, and they got together to wrestle with, with what separates Christianity from the rest of the world's religions. Is there anything that was completely and totally unique about Christianity? And in that crowd that day was a man named C.S. Lewis. It was a younger C.S. Lewis. And he came in on the end of this conversation. And, and when he heard the question that was asked, what is unique about Christianity? Lewis responded, oh, that's an easy one. It's one word, grace. That is what separates Christianity from all other religions. It's the word grace. What is grace? It's defined as an undeserved acceptance of love received from another, especially the characteristic attitude of God in providing salvation for sinners. Grace, it is God giving us something, giving us eternal life that we in ourselves did not deserve. That's what the incarnation was about. About giving us something, an incredible gift that we did not deserve. And I hope that we never cease to be amazed with this word, grace. So I want to look at a couple of movements here in Philippians chapter 2. Of what, of what God did in becoming incarnate, of becoming a man. And the first one is Jesus himself, the Son of God, went from exaltation in the heavenlies to humiliation here on earth so that we might be exalted. He lowered himself to and became subject to creation. Now, you have to understand this. Remember, Jesus was there at creation. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It says, through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. So, so the creator of all of creation, of all of we, that we see, of all of humanity, comes down and becomes one of us. 
lowers himself and, and actually becomes subject to the very thing that he created. That was, that is what happened when the Savior came down. He humbled himself. Now, one thing I want you to understand is that, that he did this on his own will. In John 10, verse 17, it says, for, for the reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life and take it up again. Then verse 18, listen very carefully. It says, no one takes it from me. In other words, no one took, took exaltation from him and humbled him, but he humbled himself. It says, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it, take it up again. This command I received from my father. So, so this was something that, that Jesus imposed on himself coming down and, and becoming man so that we could be exalted, so that we could one day spend eternity with him. And that's something we, we really have to get a grasp of, that, that Jesus humbled himself willingly for you and I. He took on human nature, the nature, and it says not just of human nature, but, but he took on the nature of a slave. He became lower than every, most people in society. It says he became a slave. He went from highest exaltation to the lowest humiliation that you could experience for us. You see, his incarnate position as the Son of Man makes it possible for our eternal privileges as sons of God. You see, we have this privilege as being sons and daughters of God because he lowered himself so that we could be raised to that level as sons and daughters. And it's something we really has to have to grasp during this season where everything gets so busy and, and we lose focus of, of what we're celebrating, but we're celebrating this incredible gift that we have received through God becoming man. You see, it's because of him humiliating himself that you and I can sit here this morning and have eternal hope and eternal privileges. The reason we could do baptism this morning is because Jesus came. It's because of him that we are called sons and daughter of the most high God. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 12 says that if we died with him, we also live with him, as we saw exemplified this morning through the baptism, the bearing, and the resurrecting. And if we endure with him, it says, we will also reign with him. Now, I want you to go to Romans chapter 8. I want you also to, to, to look at that just for a second. Romans chapter 8, um, beginning at verse 16. It says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit 
that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, we are heirs. Heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we may share in his sufferings, in order that one day we are going to share in his glory. We will be exalted. We will share in his glory. Then Paul says this. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the future glory that will be revealed in us. What an incredible promise that, that the, the things that we suffer here and now are nothing compared to the glory that we will one day experience with him in, throughout all of eternity. And, and you know, I think some, so this morning some of you are suffering. Some of you are struggling. Life is hard for you right now. Paul says there's nothing worth comparing with this future glory that will be revealed to us. You know, this last year, some of you experienced the loss of a loved one. You know, right here this year, as a body, you know, we lost, you know, Dave Troyer and Donna Miller and Eli Troyer. And this Christmas season, they're going to be missed by their families. And, and some of you lost loved ones during this last year. But the exciting thing, the good news is that is this, that their bodies are no longer decaying or no longer wasting away. They have privileges of being sons and daughters because of what Jesus Christ did. That, to me, that's good news. But it was because Jesus came that they could experience this privilege and that they now are, are experiencing life and are more alive than they've ever been before. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, Do not lose heart, though inwardly we are wasting away, yet, uh, yet inwardly. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. I don't know but if this is news to you, but your body is wasting away. Just look in the mirror. Now, if you're 18, you're not thinking that yet. But man, when you get to my age, every day you see, you see evidence that you're wasting away. There are more wrinkles and more gray hair and your body begins to break down. But here's what Paul says. He says, but inside we are being renewed every day. Inside we're growing. Inside we're becoming more like him. It says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That is good news. You know, this week I was having a conversation with Mervyn Miller. And as many of you know, Mervyn had, had this struggle with emuloidosis, I think is what it's called. Mervyn's body was wasting away. It was dying at a very rapid rate. And through the miracle of medicine and through God's healing, Mervyn has been healed. But, but Mervyn told me this week, you know, Dwayne, I'm really glad for the amyloidosis because 
I wasn't ready to meet Jesus before that. You see, Mervyn's light and momentary troubles actually helped him to see Jesus. And the troubles that his physical ailments caused him, Paul says, they're really nothing compared to the glory that far outweighs any physical ailment or any discouragement or any hard thing that we go through here on this earth. You see, nobody can take away Jesus. Nobody can take away my position as a son of God. And one day, we will be exalted because Christ was willing to be humiliated for us. And so that is the first move of this, this movement from, from being exalted to being humiliated so that we could receive exaltation. The second thing I see here is that, that he went from death, from life to death, so that we might live. He went from life to death so that we may live. It says, and being found in appearance of a man, it says he humbled himself and became obedient to what? He became obedient to death. Here was a creator of the universe, the creator of everything that we see, making himself obedient, humbling himself, and becoming obedient to death. And so this, this Christmas season, the thing we have to understand that we have to remind ourselves of if whenever we see the, the, the manger scene and we see this cute little baby laying in a manger is that cute little baby that, that, that lays in a manger that that baby was born to die. That, you see, him just coming to earth wasn't enough. You see, him teaching the truth of the, word of, of the word of his father, although it was part of his calling, wasn't enough. Him healing people wasn't enough. Him um, helping those who were in poverty, lifting up those who were, who were, who were downtrodden and, and, and beat up, that wasn't enough. You see, Jesus himself, he had to die so that we could have life. You see, those warm pink little hands that we see in the manger would one day be pierced with big, ugly, nasty nails. And those cute little feet that he had, they would one day be nailed to a cross for us. You see, when we look at this, it was about more than just this baby in a manger. He was born to die. And it says, you know, not only was he born to die, but it goes on, it says, he became obedient to death, even death on what? 
death on a cross. So this, this baby who, whose birth we celebrate and who we sing about, he would one day die a horrible, brutal death because the reality is he was born to die. And not only would he be born to die, but, but he would die a very shameful death for us. And that's really that, 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 that God himself would become obedient and submissive to die this, this shocking, horrible, shameful death for me. I mean, because, because you see, Jesus, he really experienced the ultimate shame. Not only was it a shameful death, but it was a painful death. This baby lying in a manger who, who the, the angels worshipped of his coming and the shepherds came and worshipped. He was being prepared for a painful death. And we see that in the Easter story. We see that in, when, he was, when he was mocked and beaten and, and spit on and, and his beard plucked out. Here, this precious baby's face was one day going to be deformed for us. You see, because he died on the cross in our place and we can never leave out that part of the story as we celebrate his coming at Christmas is that he was going to die for us he was going to take our place and he would die the most cursed death that a man of that time could die you see dying on a cross was the, most, was, was the most shameful and cursed way that a man could die. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, it says, speaking of when a man was crucified, it says, be sure to bury him the same day because anyone who is hung on a tree is under God's curse. Our Savior, this baby that came to us, God himself, died a cursed death. You see, crucifixion was designed to, to, to blot out the memory of, of, of criminals. The worst of the worst criminals were hung on crosses to sort of, sort of blot out their memory, sort of humiliate the person that was dying, humiliate their families so nobody would ever talk about them again. And yet, don't you find it interesting that, that 2,000 years later, we are singing about his memory, and not only about his memory, but we rejoice at his mastery over death, even death on a cross. So he wasn't forgotten because of the crucifixion. He was remembered, and he is, re, is worshipped because of what he did. Next week, we'll talk more about, about celebrating what Jesus did, celebrating his life, worshiping him for who he is because, you see, the result of everything that he did is that we are born again to live. 
Because of what he did, we live. You know, we no longer, because of what Jesus did, because of his coming, because of his life, because of his death and resurrection, we don't have to be captive in our sin. In our sin. Because Jesus came to pay for it. Jesus came to cover it. And he wants you to give your sin to him. That's why he came. So, so we don't have to walk around as slaves to sin anymore. We don't have to walk around with our heads hung low because of shame and guilt that is in our life. Because Jesus came and when I receive him as Lord and Savior, I have life because he became shame for me. He became the curse for that I deserved on the cross. You see, all that is shameful about me, all that is shameful about you, all that is wicked about me, all the things that I think that I shouldn't think, the things that nobody else knows, those are the things that he died for. That's the reason he came. His shame became my honor. He took on pain for me. Isaiah 53, 5 says, By his wounds, what? We are healed. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. So, so this Christmas, let's not just celebrate his coming, but let's celebrate what it's done for you and I. It has brought us freedom. It has given us the opportunity for eternal life. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. I mean, he came, became the curse for us. By becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Man, what an incredible gift that, that you and I will never stand before God cursed because of our sin. When we trust in the one who took our curse upon himself. What an incredible truth that we have to celebrate that affects our lives, not just here and now, but affects it for all of eternity. All of eternity. We celebrate what Christ did. You see, he went from exaltation to humiliation so that we might one day be exalted. He went from life to death so that we might live. That is why heaven came down. And my prayer for all of us is that we wouldn't miss that this season. 
that Jesus the baby came so that we might have life. In the bottom line, God has amazed us with his grace through the humility and sacrifice of his son Jesus. It's pretty amazing. And God desires to amaze the nations with his grace through the humility and sacrifice of us, his people. So remember at the beginning of this memorization, verse 5, it says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And as we have experienced this incredible gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus, we have the responsibility now to go to the nations and share with the nations this good news that this baby that the world celebrates came with, with, with great purpose, came with the purpose of, of giving eternal life. And my prayer is that, that during this season, that we would continue to remember this great gift that we have been given, that we would celebrate the gift that we have been given, and then we would also give the gift that we have been given. Becoming sons and daughters of our God. Stand with me and let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning and we praise you for, for this incredible truth that we have before us today that, that Jesus came here, lowered himself so that we could be exalted. Thank you that he gave his life took sin upon himself so that we could be forgiven of sin and we could receive eternal life. And Father, in the busyness of this season that we are in, may we never forget, may we not miss out on celebrating eternal life that came through Emmanuel, God with us. I pray that we wouldn't taint, um, dumb down the celebration of the season and forget the great gift that we have been given. Um, Father, I thank you for the work that you're doing here at Fairlawn. Lord, I thank you for these three young people that this morning made a declaration of their faith. I pray that you would empower and strengthen them in the days and the weeks ahead. Um, Lord, I pray for our missionaries who are abroad and wherever they are today, or may you give them, empower them to speak the truth of
what the celebration of the coming of the Son on Christmas is all about. And Father, may you be made famous through the way we live our lives as sons and daughters. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.